Sickness comes in so many names, but healing has only one name. His name is Jesus. Lack has so many names to it, but provision comes with only one name. His name is Jesus. Happiness is attempted to come through so many different means, but joy comes in the morning because joy comes with the name of Jesus. Holy, 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 Holy is your name, Lord God. We lift you up. We praise you. We give you the glory to your name. Jesus, you're worthy. Thank you for coming and being in this place. Jesus, you're worthy of it all. Worthy. Worthy to receive glory. Worthy to receive honor. Mm. Church, can you guys just stand with me this morning? We're going to do something different this morning. Just going to have church a little differently today. I love the fact that the word tells us that God is not a respecter of persons and that in the latter days he will pour out his latter rain on all flesh. That men and women, young and old, shall be recipients of the Holy Spirit. That there's the promise of a living God to live in living way. You've stepped not into just a church service. You've stepped into the presence of a king that can change everything. No, no, let, let me take that back. Who has already changed everything. Now we get to choose whether we get to stand in it and live in it and glorify him for it because he is the king of kings and lord of lords. His, his name is Jesus. so thankful that you came a little early today and I hope that you've stepped in with your hearts prepared and you've come to the house with thanksgiving and come to his courts with praise today and if this is your first or second time here we just want to say we're so glad that you've come into this community we we pray that you find a place here in this community because we're so grace so excited to have you so thankful that you came but today we're, we're going to just start off with the Lord's Prayer. We're going to start off praying the way He taught us to pray. I think that's probably a pretty good thing to do. I think if we're going to say that we're His followers and His disciples, and maybe we could step away from church liturgy for a moment and actually just pray the prayer He taught us to pray. We're going to hop into the Word quickly. Because I feel like today, we feel like today as a team, we feel like God wants to do something. That for too long and for too many years, there have been bondages, there have been addictions, there has been lack, there has been sickness, there has been emptiness, there has been sorrow, there has been grief inside of us as people that we know the king can heal today. We know the king can have a breakthrough today. We know it because he purchased it on the cross. His name is Jesus. Like I said, sickness has many names. Healing has one, his name's Jesus. 
Lack comes in lots of different names. Provision comes in one, Jesus. And this isn't about a, theo a theological moment. This is about a moment with a living God that can touch us and change us where we are. His latter rain is poured out on male and female, young and old. He doesn't hold back, and he's not a respecter of persons. My God is a gracious God. So can we just pray that prayer together today? And if you're not familiar with it, that's all right. The words are going to be on the screen. But I think it's a powerful expression. Let it not just be from rote memory. Some of us may have been used to it because we have said it in our traditions for years. But if that is you today, can I really encourage you to just take a moment and say, tradition, you've got no place. Just speak to your soul for a moment. Say, soul, today I'm going to bless the Lord. And I'm going to start with it by praying this. And it's going to be from the bottom of my heart, Jesus. Because it matters. So can we pray the Lord's Prayer together? Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. And forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. Come on, for yours is the kingdom, and yours is the power, and yours is the glory forever and ever and ever and ever. Amen. Father, that is our prayer. Hear the cry of your children today. For thine is the kingdom, and thine is the power. And thine is the glory forever and ever and ever. And Daddy, I pray today that your kingdom may come into our lives and your will may be done. That you break whatever you need to break in us and get out of us, whatever you need to get out of us. That you let your light shine in the darkness that we have kept hidden for too long. Let your spirit fall and breathe breath on us again. Let us rise to meet you this morning as you have come to meet us because your word says where two or more are gathered in your name you're already here and so we believe it we rejoice in it we say yes Jesus yes Jesus yes Jesus come and have your way we give you the glory we give you the honor we give you the power and the praise in Jesus name come on church and everybody said amen and amen can we just give God just thank him for a moment for the blessings he's given you in his life he's worthy of praise this morning he is Jehovah Jireh, the provider. He is Jehovah Rapha, your healer. He is Jehovah Nisi, your banner. He is worthy, worthy, worthy this morning. Worthy this morning. Worthy are you, Worthy to receive glory. Worthy. Worthy, worthy, worthy is the Lamb. I love it. In just a little bit, we're going to sing with the, a, a, a song called Echo Holy. And it's, it's about actually giving God all the, uh, all the glory like the angels do in heaven. We echo the holiness of our God. Our God deserves the glory this morning. Our God deserves the glory this morning. Our God deserves the glory this morning. Come on, the beautiful thing about our God, he said, look. If we won't praise him, that's okay because he made creation and creation's on standby. But I don't know about you, but I'm not giving up my seat for the standby person. I'm going to praise him. 
We're going to praise him. And maybe you're here today and you're saying, Kyle, I don't, I don't really know. I've, I've had a tough week, a tough life, a tough year. I'm not sure what I have to praise him for. The Bible says, let everything that has breath. The fact that you and I got up this morning and have breath. Because there are some people that didn't wake up this morning. There are people that are standing before him. Some that will cross that veil in glory and some that won't. But he gave you breath. So let's praise him today. And we're going to just hop right into the word. So as you're being seated, as you're just being seated, I know this is different. Why don't you, why, since you brought your Bible, open up to Acts. You can go ahead and be seated. Since you brought your Bible, will you open with me to Acts chapter 1. Acts chapter 1. Acts is the fifth book of the New Testament. It's written by Dr. Luke, who's a disciple of Jesus. But, my friends, it's really the history of the church. It's, it's our history. It's our story. And the beautiful thing about this is that it does not end. That the, the way that God has revealed his church wasn't that it ended at the end of Acts, is that it continues to roll out because you and I were surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses who should inspire us. Inspire us. If 12 people could change uh, uh, an empire like Rome, what could people in this room do in their families and in their marketplaces and just by believing and living it out? If you need a title for today's message, it's Transition of Power. This past week, the world watched as there was a transition of power from Queen Elizabeth following the death of Queen Elizabeth II and the transition of power to her son, King Charles III. It, it was done, wasn't it, with such amazing honor and such incredible ceremony. It was, it, was, it was beautiful. We watched it. We taped a lot of it. We watched so much of it. It was gorgeous. And it reminded us how valuable her life was. Yet there would have been no transition of power without a death. But following her death, the kingdom that she helped to build along with all of her authority and all of her duties, actually was passed down to Charles, her son. Without any question, without any doubt, he didn't need to worry that the authority wasn't going to be given to him. He didn't need to worry that she was going to take it all herself to be with her. He didn't even have to worry that he wasn't good enough to receive it. He knew he was going to receive it because of whose he was. Because he was her son. Because he was in the bloodline. He was in the bloodline, the bloodline, the bloodline, the bloodline. Come on, church. That should spark something inside of us today. Because we are in the bloodline of the King of Kings and Lord of Lords. What we saw in the natural this week uh, happened 2,000 years ago in the spiritual, but it didn't happen because the, uh, because the queen died to give it to a king. It happened because the king died so that the transition of power could go to his queen, to us, his bride. That's the beautiful thing about this because our king died. There's been a transition of power, duty, authority. What was on him now rests on us. These same things I have done, you might as a church. You could sort of do as a church. You will do. That's the promise of our Lord. 
Romans 8, 11 tells us if the same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead, because there had to be a death, now lives inside of you and I as the bride of Jesus Christ. And that resurrection power doesn't come to us because we're good enough. He didn't take it with him when he left to keep it all for himself. You and I don't need to worry whether or not the power will or will not come to you and I. Why? Because we are in his bloodline. We are in the bloodline. We are in the bloodline. We are in the bloodline. We are heirs of, we are heirs of God, co-heirs with Jesus Christ. We have been purchased by the blood. I am not saved on my own account. I was purchased by the precious blood of Jesus Christ who brought me into his family and adopted you and I as sons and daughters. That means that we now exist inside the bloodline of the King of Kings. What was on him now rests on us. That's what Paul is trying to inspire and, and spur on when we read in Ephesians chapter 1 verse, uh, verse 18 where he's saying this. He's saying, man, my prayer is this, that you, he's talking about us, the church, all of us, the, 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 the royal you, the big you, may know that what is the hope of his calling? What are the riches of his inheritance for all of us who are saints? He's not talking about the saints with the halos that we paint. He's talking about those of us in the bloodline. There's an inheritance. What is that inheritance? The mighty power, the mighty power, the great and powerful mighty power that is in us, all of us who work hard enough, who are holy enough, who've come to church enough, who believe. Yeah. Believe. Yeah. That's it. You should underline that. You should highlight that. You should color it in with some colored pencil because that is a powerful moment because it goes on to say, according to the, the working of his mighty power, which he worked in Jesus Christ when he raised him from the dead, when he raised him from the dead, come on, that means that there was a death and then a transition of power unto his bride who believe, and then seated him at the right hand of God the Father Almighty. What I love about this, by the way, is if, if you don't know that in the Old Testament, the high priest, when he went into the tabernacle to do his work, he would not sit down. He was not permitted to sit down until the work was finished. But when he sat down, it signified to everyone that the work was done. That's why this is so powerful, because our king, our high priest, took his own blood into the heavenly tabernacle, poured it out, and the Bible then says, and then was seated. That means the work is done. The work is already done. So this isn't about what do I have to do to get it. It's already here. What do I have to do to earn it? Nothing. Just like Charles, because we're in the bloodline, we get to step into it. The question for us isn't whether or not we have it, it's what will we do with it now that we do. Over the last few weeks, we've been talking about Jesus' disciples and how Jesus' disciples, looking at them, how we could see how to maybe follow him by looking at some of their lives. We looked at Matthew and saw how he prioritized the kingdom first. And we looked at Andrew and we learned that compassion was the mission. That it wasn't just feeding people, it was actually making sure that we had compassion for people. But today, in this text, we're going to see how each one of the disciples, each one of the disciples, received this transition of power. Whether they were an introvert, 
or an extrovert, whether they were pretty good or still really messed up, whether they were a tax collector, a fisherman, a doctor, come on somebody, a once demon-possessed person, a denier, a betrayer, it doesn't matter, male or female, they all received this promise. Now that should encourage us because it's not just one type of person then that gets to receive. It's all of us in there. All of us can find ourselves somewhere in there, introvert, extrovert, right? Somewhere uh, an achiever, somewhere a, a revolutionary, somewhere a denier, somewhere uh, a doubter. We can all find ourselves, male, female, all. And since the Bible tells us that our king is no respecter of persons, since he did it to them, he is doing it for us. Time and space is nothing to Jesus. We're saying, oh, Pentecost happened 2,000 years ago. That's really a long time. Not to God. It's only a timeline to us. He's outside of time and space. It's happening all at the same time to him. The promise that happened 2,000 years ago is the same promise that is happening exactly at the same time right now. There's no difference. The difference is in us. In this text, what we're going to see is that Jesus had just died on the cross for our sins. He was buried in a borrowed tomb without pomp or circumstance. And he, ra- and he was ra- risen from the dead on the third day. And he's getting ready to ascend into heaven. He's getting ready to ascend into heaven. And he proclaims to all of his disciples that there is a transition of power that they're stepping into now. The truth is, no matter where we have come from, my friends, no matter what we have done, what our theological traditions have been, if we have been born again, if we have been born into Jesus, then we have been born into a new bloodline. You have been born into a new bloodline. If you know Jesus, have been accepted, it doesn't matter what your theological tradition, where you've come from, how good you are, at the end of the day, you have been born again into a new bloodline as heirs of the King of Kings. And upon his death and his resurrection, there has been a transition of power to us. Why? In order to carry out and continue his kingdom here on earth. We, as sheep of God, we, as children of God, we've got a mission. We have a purpose. And he empowered us to do it. So the real question, the question is just like the question Charles III has to answer, is how will I now live out what our sovereign has so graciously bestowed upon us? Not how do I get it, but how do I live it out? My sovereign died so that I could have what was on him to get inside of me. The question is not whether or not the bride has the power and authority of the king. The question is only how will we live this out. Oh, if we in the American church would just rise up and realize that we are not a pulper. We are princes and princesses. We are not the tail. We are the head. We are not conquered. We are more than conquerors in Jesus. We are not victims. We are the victors. It doesn't matter whether or not the circumstances in the world look that way. There is truth and there's opinion. Opinion says, oh, I don't have. Truth says, you've already received. Opinion says, I'm not good enough. I lack this. I lack that. Truth says, you are 
already found, you are already holy, made holy. You're already an heir of God's kingdom. You have transitioned into the bloodline. Let's look at what this text says. This is Jesus, so we're just going to believe Jesus. I think that's the, that's the encouragement today. It says in verse 6, so when they had come together, they asked him. Now, he had just told them that they were going to receive this, the, the, the baptism of the Spirit. He said, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? He said to them, it is not for you to know the times or the seasons that the Father is fixed by his own authority, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. And when he said these things, as they were looking on, he was lifted up and a cloud took him out of their sight. Come on. This is the last thing he says. The last thing isn't the Great Commission. The last thing isn't love one another. The last thing Jesus says is, I'm going to pour out my spirit on you. And did you notice the certainty with which he spoke it? He said, you all will receive. Now, if I was back down south, I'd say, y'all, y'all will receive. It wasn't a question in Jesus' mind. You all will receive power. Now, if you've been in Forge, which are our men's Bible study, our men's discipleship groups, or, or shoulder to shoulder, our, our women's Bible uh, uh, discipleship groups, you will know that when the Bible says all, it means all. Yeah. Like, like all my, when Jesus says, I'll take away all your sins, it means all. When he says, I, all of you will receive power, it means all. So all of us. But the, the truth is, my friends, this isn't a new concept. This isn't something that is a brand new idea to God. Matter of fact, it was modeled in the Old Testament. And we know that the Old Testament is the shadow and the New Testament is, is the reality. So we look back, and this is why the disciples would have understood it. Because Abraham, the father of faith, when he is dying, what does he do? He lays hands on his son, Isaac, blesses him, and passes on his authority and increase. His son Isaac, when he's dying, does the same thing. Blesses his son Jacob. When Jacob is dying, he blesses the 12 tribes of Israel. There is this constant passing on, transition of power from someone who had it to someone who receives it. And that is you and I because of what Jesus has done. That's also why the promises uh, and, and the power of the old covenant have been passed down to you and I. Because Matthew 5.17 says Jesus came. He didn't abolish it. He fulfilled it. There was an end, and that made the promises and the power able to be transitioned into those of us in the new covenant. That means you can look in the Bible and find a promise in the Old Testament and know that you can stand on it in the New Testament, not because of you, but because there was a transition of power from the Old, old Covenant to the New Covenant. What a God we serve. And then when you and I see this fulfilled, don't we, in the next chapter, if you flip over to, to Acts chapter 2, and we see it fulfilled in what's called Pentecost, and if, if some of you may identify yourselves as Pentecostals, people who believe in the Spirit of God, the Bible says in verse 4, and they all, they all received the Holy Spirit. They all. No, no. Now, I don't know about you, but all means all. So what we see is that Jesus is immediately faithful to his promise, right? Because he's not a man that he should lie. But I know maybe for some of us, we're, maybe for some of us, we're sitting here saying, I know, but maybe it was just for the people that were in that room on that day. That's a really good question. It's a, that's a thought. 
But what I love about God is that he doesn't allow that to ponder very quickly uh, for a long time in people. Because he answers that thought in verse 39 of the same chapter. Peter standing out into the crowd with all the people. He's prophesying. He is proclaiming the message of God about what just happened. The supernatural infilling of the Holy Spirit. And he says, I want you to know, have faith. Be encouraged. The same thing. This promise is for me and it's for you and for all those who are far off. That Greek word, far off, means far off in time and space. Those who are yet to come in time and space. It's not distance. It's all those who are yet to happen in time and space. I'm one of those people that's far off. You are one of those people that were far off when Peter said it. So the same spirit that dropped in that room is the same spirit that's in this room. The same promise. It doesn't matter where we've come from. It doesn't matter what we've done. They all messed up. There was only one of them that was at the cross with Jesus, and he still poured out his spirit on all. All means all. The truth is, the only way for this transition of power to no longer be on us, because we are the bride, is if the bride dies. It's why when you and I cross over the veil, we no longer have this power, because we are made like him. And we stand already in a kingdom that is fully submitted to his reign. So until that time, until then, He has bestowed upon us his power and his authority to do what he commissioned you and I to do. Commissioned to make disciples. To expand the kingdom. To destroy the works of the enemy. All of us to make disciples. All of us to expand the kingdom. All of us to destroy the works of the enemy wherever we find them. Whether it be in our family, in our, in our kids' lives, in our marketplace, in our world. Wherever we see the enemy raise his ugly head, it is on us. God has empowered us. He didn't just call us. He equipped us. What a God we have. He's called us to do what he originally intended for you and I to do. In Genesis chapter 1, before Adam fell, the first Adam, he says to him, by the way, be fruitful, multiply, subdue the earth, and bring my dominion into it. What Adam couldn't, what the first Adam couldn't do because of his brokenness, the second Adam restored by his sacrifice. That means the mandate that happened to Genesis 1 will be the same mandate for the church until Revelation 22. Until he takes us all home, it's our mandate. But that brings us to a challenge, doesn't it? Makes us be challenged because in our modern world, what we've been talking about is the way that we see Christianity has been so skewed. It's become so self-focused, so me-centric, that when it even comes to the power of God, we struggle. Because believers... When it comes to the power of God, look to power, look to the benefit of power. But disciples understand the burden of power. There's a weight to this thing that God called us to. A weight. I read a quote from Queen Elizabeth II when she was just 21. She hadn't ascended to the throne yet, but I thought it was beautiful. She said, I declare before you all that my whole life, whether it be long or short, shall be devoted to your service and to the service of our great family to which we all belong. Oh, how different would our lives be if we would say to the king, 
If we would say to his bride, man, God, no matter how long or short my life is, I am full on to serve you. And I'm here to make sure that I serve this great family near and far that you've called me to belong to. What was she saying? She was saying that she understood that the authority that was passed down to her from her father held a weight to it. The weight was about making sure that it would help build community, elevate the people around her. Doesn't it reflect the heartbeat of Jesus? Matthew 20, 28, I didn't come to be served, but to serve. To give my life away as a ransom to many. There's this man, whether my life is long or short. Jesus lived 33 years. Whether my life is long or short. She was almost 100 years old. Long or short. I'm going to live it all for the service of the king. I'm going to live it all for this great family. But did you hear how the 12 responded? Think about this. When they heard, because this is the verse right before we started. When they heard that Jesus was going to baptize them in the spirit, Did you hear the question that they asked? Here's the question that they asked. Are you going to now finally restore unto us what we've been waiting for? For you to finally kick out the Romans? Are you finally going to bless our nation? Are you finally going to make us superior to everyone? Are you finally going to make everyone look up to us and make sure we have our place so we can figure out who should sit on your right and who should sit on your left? Are... Are we going to be blessed? What's our advantage in this? That's their first response. Do you know why it's their first response? Because a lot of times it's our first response. Because it's in us as people. We don't always come to the power and authority God gives us from the right place. And that's why it gets mucky and muddy and we miss it so often. Because the trap when it comes to the power and authority of God is to personalize it to personalize it, to understand it through the lens of self. Either to look for its benefits to ourselves first. Come on. Oh, great. I'm going to get the power of God so I can be healed. I can be empowered. I can be blessed. This is great. And can I tell you something? He does that because that's how good God is. I remember when I was a, younger, a young Christian and I first started to hear about the, the gifts of the Spirit and the power of the Holy Spirit because I didn't come from that tradition and, and I started to get excited and I started to think this and maybe you don't think this way but I did for a long time. Man, how cool would it be to lay hands on someone who was blind and they could see? How cool would it be if I could pray for somebody in a wheelchair and they could get up? How cool would it be? Now, 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 now listen to what, I'm, what, what the trap was. Sure, it included others, but what was really enticing about it is that I was doing it. That's the trap. It's not that God doesn't use his gifts to bless us, but that's not their prime directive. God blesses us because he is a blesser. Think about this. Although Paul was healing tons of people, he still had thorns in his flesh. I don't know. Because the healing isn't up to me. The decision of how, when, and where isn't up to me. The decision of how I'm going to handle the responsibility, come on, the, uh, the, 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 the onus, the weight of the power and authority is on me. The rest is up to God. The problem isn't just that we see it for our own benefit. Sometimes we see it through the lens of our own self uh, sense of unworth. I know, God, you might have it for other people, but 
I'm not sure about me. And it's why it matters so much, what we've been talking about so much, on how we see the focus or the core or the centrality of the Christian message. What is the Christian message all about? What's the centrality of it in our world? Because in our modern world, the, the centrality of the message of the gospel has been twisted to be all about us. How is this going to bless me? How am I going to prosper out of this? It's just me and Jesus. I'm good. It, this is how my Jesus sees things. This is how my Jesus would react. How is this going to change my life? And we have to understand at the core of it, if we're honest, it actually undermines our ability to be, uh, our, our, our humility and our motive when it comes to receiving the power and authority of God. Because the Bible says you don't have because you don't ask. But sometimes you ask with the wrong motives. There's this old saying, and I'm going to paraphrase it, but you know my heart. You, you'll know it. Absolute power corrupts absolutely. That's why you and I, even as the bride, we don't have absolute power. We have designated power. It's not my power. It's, I don't heal anybody. I don't have healing hands. I, I, don't, I don't have a special anointing because I'm a pastor and I have an MDiv degree and I've been to seminary and I know the Bible. I don't have any of that. Do you know whose power it is? It's his. Now he's delegated it for me to use, but that also means he delegates it the way he wants to use it, when he wants to use it, the way he wants to use it, but it's on me to actually live out what he said it should be used for. Delegated power. The problem is, that's when our soul gets in the way. Our self. Because our soul needs to control things in order to receive the glory for them. Therefore, the, greater, the more visible the miracle, the greater the credit. Think about that. Your soul is saying, how cool would it be if you could be at a church service and lay hands on someone in a wheelchair and they get up and walk away? Your soul is saying, greater the visibility the greater the credit. It's why it becomes a trap when we don't have a soul that is surrendered to the king. We see it in the Bible. We see it in Acts chapter 8, right? We don't have to go very far. The disciples go to Samaria and they lay hands on the Samaritans and they receive the Holy Spirit and they're speaking in tongues, they're moving in power as happens when you get baptized with the Spirit and and the Bible says there was one among them named Simon who practiced sorcery, Simon the sorcerer. And he comes to Peter and John and says, uh, how much? What's it going to take for me to be able to do this myself? Now, I'm sure he's going to use it to bless other people and heal other people, but his desire for it was self. He dealt with it in the natural way. He responded to the supernatural as if it was based on a natural deal. And the truth is, our natural self and our natural thinking will leave us in a natural state so many times rather than walking in the supernatural gift of God. Our natural self and our natural thinking, when it comes to the things of God, will leave us in a natural state. Because Jesus is the king of grace. Grace. He gives us what we don't deserve. 
grace. He's a supernatural Lord. You can't make a natural deal with a supernatural God. You can't buy God off. He doesn't care about how much money you got in the bank or how much credit you think you have on your good deeds list. He can't be bought off. He does not do supernatural deals in a natural way. That's why salvation is not by works. It is by a grace, the gift of the grace of God. It is a supernatural work. It has nothing to do with the natural. It's why sanctification is a supernatural work. It's why redemption is a supernatural work. It's not a natural work. It's why the power of God is a supernatural work. Can I just say this, and I'm going to move on in a second, but honestly, though, I think even for me, even worse than personalizing it for our own personal benefits, I think it's even worse to politicize it for our own personal benefits. To see it as the means, this power of God as the means to build the world or the nation that our politics would want. But Jesus said that this was given so that, he, that we could be his witnesses, the witnesses of his kingdom, that his reign, his character, his nature would go to the world. Do you realize that the Greek word for witness is not witness at all? We've softened it for Christians. Like truly, Translators have softened this word so it doesn't scare us, I think. That Greek word for witness is martyr. I'm going to give you the power of God so that you could be my martyrs. You can lay down your life everywhere you go. Do you hear what he's saying? He's saying, I'm going to give you the power the power to live beyond our natural selves. Our natural selves is to say there are certain things I'd die for and a lot of things I wouldn't. God says, I'm going to give you the power to lay down your life. Why? Because being a disciple requires me to lay down my life first and pick up his cross. That's why Revelation 12, 11 is so powerful when we look at it in this context. Because the word of God says they overcame the enemy by the blood of the Lamb is done, the word of their testimonies, and one verse that we usually leave off, and they love their life, even, uh, not even unto death. The reason many of us fall short in, 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 in actually being willing to step out in these things is because what it will cost our life. What will cause to happen in our life? How many people will cut us off from our life? How many pe- what will people think about our life? And he said, man, the real power to overcome the things in this world is actually to realize your life was forfeit the moment you surrendered it to the cross. But that power of the Holy Spirit can help us to do something in the natural that is not natural to you and I. As martyrs, the power was to promote the king, to proclaim his kingdom, my witnesses. It included them, but the promise went beyond them. To elevate the broken world, to help messed up marketplaces, to provide in dysfunctional families, to help establish all that by his stripes we are healed was meant on the cross. When we say by his stripes we are healed, we bring that with us when we walk out his power and his authority. Everything that that was meant to do in our world, you and I have been given the power and the authority to live it out. That's why the the reality is that disciples understand the burden of power. 
Yes, there's benefit to it, but there's also a burden to it. A burden, a weight. A weight that helps answer the question, how can an ordinary me be a witness filled with power that actually proclaims Jesus to my Jerusalem, my Judea, my Samaria, to wherever I go in my world? How can an ordinary me how can an ordinary me? Because he has empowered you. Because you are in his bloodline. That's why so much, I love when we read the, the text, because so much of the power of Jesus and his authority was being expressed, was to restore people back into community that were separated from the intimacy of community either with God's house or God's people or relationships that would help them and bless them through insecurity or offense or, 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 or through unforgiveness. There were these things that were meshed in the way. That's why Jesus comes to the woman with the issue of blood and restores her and heals her because as a woman with an issue of blood, she was cut off from community. It's why, it's why when he goes to the demoniac and he sets the demoniac free, he doesn't tell him to come and follow him. He says, go home and live with your family. Tell them what I've done. Go back into community. You've been out of community too long. It's not just you and me. There's a community that's needed. It's why when he says the ten lepers and he heals them, he says, go show yourselves to the priests. The priests could not heal them, but the priests had the ability to say that they were cleansed and then allow them back into the community of God. Everything that the power of God was doing was to restore to people community because compassion is compounded in community. It's why he gives us both power, which is this Greek word in, in, in Acts chapter 1-8, which is dynamis. Dynamis is explosive power. It's where we get the word uh, dynamite from it it, it, it it manifests in a powerful way in the created order it rearranges the brokenness of the created order and brings it into the way that God had intended it to be that is dynamic power but he doesn't just give us dynamic power he also gives us authority that's the word in Ephesians 1 8 it actually that word is akousia it's delegated authority and dynamo, uh, dynamis power is on, only shows up when acousia is exerted. Explosive power only shows up when you and I decide to exert authority that God has given us in areas of our life that are missing the fullness of the kingdom. Come on, each of us as sheep of the good shepherd, as children of God, as co-heirs with Jesus, as disciples of our king, We've been crafted and created. We've been ordained to both receive this transition of power and to exert its authority in Jesus' name. Come on, men. If you're a man in this place, we could be praying for our families. You want to know how to exert authority? Pray over your family. 
Pray over sickness. Lay hands on your kids. Lay hands on your wife or your spouse when they're sick and take authority over that sickness. Actively break generational curses. You're right. It may have been in your dad, and it may have been in your dad's dad, and it may have been in your dad's dad's dad, but the power of the cross and the authority of God gives you and I the authority to break the generational curse. It may have come to you, but it doesn't have to go through you any longer. That is working in the authority and the power of God. It's not always walking on water. It's not always multiplying loaves and fish. Sometimes it is breaking the things that the enemy is trying to do to break you, to break your family line, to break your bloodline. Because as the priest of the home, what is in us runs in the people around us. That's why we can actually shatter those things. We as men should be absolutely engaged in discipling our children. Not leaving it up, discipling our children. That's authority. Parents, we can be teaching our kiddos how to lay hands on each other. In a good way. I'm not talking about in a street fighting way. Anoint, anoint each other with oil. We can be teaching our kids how to pray in the spirit. We can be teaching our kids how to stand on the word of God in their own lives against the schemes of the devil that the devil has for them, that the devil has for their friends at school, for the devil has for their generation. Raise them up in the way of the Lord so when they get older they won't depart from it. That is the authority of a parent working out and trusting God's power to do what you can't do by restriction, by timeouts, by trying to you know, convince an eight-year-old that they're wrong. Come on, the power of God can do in the supernatural what you can't do in the natural. But it takes exerted authority. I'm not talking about the authority, I'm the boss, you're gonna do it my way. That is natural authority. I'm saying, man, you go to the word, what's the word say? You bring the word into that circumstance. I was, telling, I was encouraging a friend this week with Judges chapter 4. I hope if you're a parent, this encourages you. There's a story where Sisera, who's an enemy of God, comes into the camp. And he sneaks into the tent of Jael. And uh, she, he, he, uh, he falls asleep. I love this. The enemy comes into her house. And she's like, oh, we're going to deal with this. The Bible says she takes a tent peg and a hammer and hammers it through his head into the ground and kills him. Now, I am not encouraging you in any way to do that in the natural. Come on. Hey, look, it doesn't matter what comes into your house. It matters what you allow to leave. The enemy might come in. The enemy might want to stay. But man, it's our job to be able to take the tent pegs, the pegs. Do you realize there were three stakes that held Jesus to the cross? Three stakes that hold us to him, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Three tent pegs he's given us to use against the enemy, the fruit of the Spirit, the gifts of the Spirit, the prophetic word of the Spirit. Why is the enemy living in our houses? The problem isn't that they come in. The problem is we let them live. In relationships, sometimes the greatest use of that power is to use it to break bondages in us. Heal wounds from abuse or hurt or past failures. Tear down those generational issues. Shatter those things that have caused shattering in us. So that we can't, because if it doesn't live in us, we can't pass it down from us. That's why I love what 
God promises to Jeremiah in Jeremiah 1.10, he says, you're young, but I'm giving you the power, I'm giving you the power to uproot and tear down, to build up and to plant. What are we tearing down in the relationships and what are we building up? What authority are we using to do that in our marketplace? Can I encourage us? Maybe some of the authority we begin to use is we fast and pray. How about fasting and praying for our marketplace? How about fasting and praying that God starts to move? There's revival done in our marketplace, that God opens up some doors for, for the gospel to move forward. How about fasting and praying for, that, profit, for, that, for that, that business to profit, right? Not so that we could profit, so that the business could profit. To see miraculous breakthroughs for our coworkers. Why am I saying in pra- fasting and prayer? Because Jesus says in Matthew 17, 21, some things, some things only change through fasting and prayer. Because the disciples had been doing all sorts of power, all sorts of miracles. They came to one they couldn't overcome. There's a lot of times you and I hit walls in our life like they do. We hit walls in our marketplace. We hit walls in our life. We hit walls in church. We hit walls with family members. We hit walls, and what we do is we just say, that's it. That's it. That's the boundary that I'm supposed to go. Jesus said there are some things that have to be torn down through fasting and prayer. It's power and authority. Man, when I was thinking about that, God dropped in my spirit about Joseph. Remember him in Egypt? He was sold into slavery in Egypt by his family. Talking about dysfunctional family moments. But Joseph's character made him invaluable to Potiphar. But his use of spiritual power made him invaluable to Pharaoh. There are some of us who are just saying, man, I'm just going to let my character character be my witness. That's awesome. You will, you will influence some Potiphar's like that. But what God has dropped in my spirit is that there's, there are people that we are never going to influence for the kingdom. There are pharaohs we're never going to influence in our kingdom. It was his character that influenced, made him invaluable to Potiphar. But it was use of spiritual gift, use of spiritual power and authority that made him invaluable to Pharaoh. And when he was in the place of Pharaoh, he could bless the world. He changed the world because of his use of the power of God in those moments. Yes, he blessed his family too, but there are some people I believe that you and I are called to influence. There are some Pharaohs that we're missing because we're just trying to live it out with character, which is awesome. But not power. Man, for some of us, and I'm almost done, because I'm sweating. This is in my spirit today. It's why I got the shoes on. Come on, somebody, right? You can't, you got to wear the shoes if you want to honor the, ki- the queen. That's all I'm saying. I'm honoring the king, but I'm just shout out for the queen. And to be honest, for some of us, it might just be starting to get more into the word. Because that's something we all can do. Start applying uh, the authority of the word in our lives in every area where we're not seeing the fullness of the holiness of God be lived out. We need to go to the word. We. We don't have to wait for a sermon. You don't have to go to a podcast. You don't have to wait to wait for somebody down the road to preach on it. You've got the living word that God has given you. You've got the living spirit inside of you that will bring back to remembrance what you have already put inside of you. And he will make it live out of you. Come on. We've got to go back to the word 
and start applying it into my life. And every time my, my flesh comes up in the natural, it starts saying, I can't do that. That's too much. That's too far. Don't think I'm going to be able to. We need to allow the Spirit of God to speak into that moment. Why? Because Ephesians 6, 17 tells me that when I put on the armor of God to take my stand against the liar that is the devil, the only offensive weapon that I have is the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. We are not a people of church. We are a people of the Word and of the Spirit. We are not a people that just love to worship. We are people that live by the Word. It's not my opinion. I've got lots of opinions that don't line up with God. But when that is the case, I'm wrong. He ain't. And every time I think he's wrong, he reminds me I'm not in control. Come on, can I get a witness? Every time I'm like, oh, no, God, I don't know about that. I'm not sure you're really right. It's, it's 2022. You know, you got to understand. And he goes, okay, sure. How about this? And I'm like, crap. I love the story in 2 Kings, and I hope it ministers to you, about the widow who doesn't have any oil. She only has a little oil left. She's poor, broke. She's in lack. She's got nothing. She's going to have to sell her children, sell herself, go into slavery, get out of the community she's in. Oh, Elisha shows up. Elisha says, go to every one of your neighbors and ask for vessels and take that little bit of oil. Oh, oil is a symbol of the Holy Spirit. Take a little bit of the oil. That, if all you've got is a little bit, that's all you need. You ain't broke. you got a little bit. You think you're broke. You ain't broke. you got a little oil inside of you. You are not without power. You may not have an abundance of it right now, but you've got a little oil. Go to your neighbors. Get the vessels. Take the little bit. Start pouring them in. Pour the oil into your neighbor's vessels. And when you pour it into your neighbor's vessels, it will flow. And it flowed and flowed and flowed and flowed. Come on, church. The reason maybe that something's not flowing is because we're not pouring it into our neighbor's vessels. We're saying, I can't, God. I only have a little. And he's like, you don't even understand. I'm the God who multiplies. I'm the God that made so many stars, you can't even count them all with your mighty technology. You, I, I, I'm the God that knows every star by name. You can't even name every star. Your language is so limited. I'm the God that spoke everything out of nothing. You can create from something, but I'm the only one that can create from nothing. It's the little oil. Poured out. What starts in us, my friends, can resource others. We don't need a nation to be in revival. We need us to be in revival. The truth is, everything I just said doesn't take away from our commission of laying on hands for the sick, praying for healing, listening for the Holy Spirit to give you a word of wisdom or knowledge in a moment when you don't know what to do. Trusting in faith to see the supernatural manifest in the natural world. Praying in the spirit on all occasions. Believing for gifts of hospitality and, and, and faith and generosity and the discerning of spirits and the interpretation of tongues. All of those things should be manifest as well. Because they all build the kingdom and they all glorify the king. They're all exerting authority and releasing power. And all of us, no matter who we are, can walk in that power because the king died so that his spirit could come. It is to your advantage, Jesus said, I go away. That makes no sense in the natural. 
What do you mean? You raised Lazarus from the dead. You broke the five loaves and two fish. What do you mean is my advantage? Yep, it's your advantage. Because when I go, there'll be a transition of power from me to you. The natural, simple you. Acts 8 tells us there's a simple man by the name of Philip. He went to a place, and on his way, he meets a guy who's a eunuch by the side of the road. This man receives Jesus, and he says, well, I know I'm not really an apostle. I'm not a pastor. I don't have my MDiv. I don't have my preaching certificate. I'm not full-time clergy. But God gave me the power and the authority. I'm going to baptize this dude. Takes him down to the river. In the name of Jesus, I baptize you. Boom. And as he pulls him up, something supernatural happens. And Philip, this ordinary dude, is transported from that place to an entirely different city. Long before Star Trek ever beamed up Scotty. Come on. A normal dude. But here's the truth. In just a minute, we're going to enter into some worship. We're going to pray some for some people. We're going to encourage you to touch out and reach the king. Because the reality is, my friends, that our intimacy with the king will absolutely influence our trust in this transition of his authority. The further we feel away from him, the less we will feel worthy of his power, and the more we will be connected to our own insecurity and our own fear. But the more that we see him, the more that we experience him, the more that we learn to love him, the more that we can trust him. Because we don't have to prove who he is. We simply have to honor him by walking in this authority and power that he gave us. There's a moment in Acts 7 and Stephen, just a dude and deacon, a guy who's a disciple in the early church. They drag him out and they're stoning him. And he looks up. And he says, behold, I see the clouds rolled back. And I see the Son of God standing at the right hand of the Father Almighty. You need to kill me, kill me because I know who he is. You'll never make me back down because I see him, because I know him, because I trust him, because he's standing now. He's waiting. He's waiting for me to cross over. He's waiting to take my hand when I do. He's waiting with open arms to welcome me in and say, well done, my good and faithful servant. Welcome home. Great is your reward. He is standing. Our intimacy with him will determine how much we trust him when it comes to this. Because our, the more intimate we are with him, the less intimate we are with ourselves. And it's never God that talks us out of his power and authority. It's our flesh, our fear, our insecurity. But the more we see him, 
The more we grow in a revelation of who he is as the sovereign king, the more we will learn to trust him in this transition of power. We're going to worship. We chose this song. It's called Echo Holy. Because it says, all the angels bow down around the king because they know who he is. They're not confused. They know who he is. And they know he's the Lord of all. And I'm going to ask us all to stand, but maybe if you can, if you're physically able, I want to maybe encourage you to do something today. As we sing this song, just to get on your knees. Every time I saw a replay of the queen knighting a man or making a lady a, a, a royal dame, they were kneeling. There's something that happens, I believe, in the natural when we kneel. When we say, God, I am low, but you are high and lifted up. You're worthy. Your power is great. Come, Holy Spirit, come. Come on. There's things that we need to get on our knees for. There are generational curses we've held on to. There are Sisera's still living in the tent of our life that have made themselves comfortable in our house that need to die today in the supernatural power of God. There are sicknesses that we have called our friend for too long. There's depression that we have bought into that will be the rest of our life when Jesus is the joy, the peace, the truth, the life. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty who was and is and is to come. The whole earth is filled with your glory. Come here now. So I'm going to encourage us to stand and maybe now if some of us want to kneel before the king. Let's worship him together. Let's worship him together. Let's worship him together. Come on. Come on, Lord.
transition of power to his bride it's something beautiful it's something powerful it's something sweet it's such a gift that he wants to give us and maybe you're here today and you've never actually been filled with the Holy Spirit you've never actually said yes maybe like that woman you've got a little bit of oil in you because we all have a little bit Maybe you got a little bit of oil, but today you're going to say, Holy Spirit, pour out all of your oil. Fill me to overflowing. Here, I'm the vessel that was empty. Come and fill me up. The promises of God are yes and amen already. Maybe you're here today and you've been struggling with a, a generational curse for years. Maybe you've been struggling with sickness. Maybe you have a, something that's been hidden in your life for so long that's been destroying you internally. Maybe you're struggling with depression. Maybe you're struggling with suicidal thoughts. I believe without a shadow of a doubt, the authority of God. He came so that we could have life and life more abundantly. He came to destroy the work of the devil. He came to set his people free. Not just so that we can go to heaven. He set his people free so that we can have peace and joy, love, wholeness in our life. So just as the pastoral team comes really quickly, you may be able, you may come and just say, just let them know. Just say, man, you don't even have to always say what it is. You can just say, man, I've got something, and they're just going to touch it in agreement with you. They may anoint you with oil if you feel comfortable with that, because the Bible says, if anyone is sick among you, anoint them with oil, and they will get better. That's what we believe. The power of God is here for today. 
Maybe you're saying, man, can you just pray for me to receive more of the Holy Spirit? That's good, whatever it may be. We have not because we ask not. And you all shall receive power when my Spirit comes on you. We're not trying to be a Pentecostal church. But I am trying to make sure that we have disciples that live in the power of Pentecost. Today's the day. Today's the day. Come on. Just come even now. Just come even now. We're just going to keep worshiping for a few more moments. Come and let the Holy Spirit do what He does. Just come even now. Let the Holy Spirit do what He does. If you need a breakthrough, if you need healing, if, if you need deliverance from something even now in the name of Jesus. And if that's not you, why don't you just take some time just lifting up your hands to Jesus. Just saying, Jesus, reveal yourself to me more. Jesus, help me to love you more. Come on, take your time to worship Him in your way as we begin as we continue to seek his face let the king come in this place today in your life in your heart and in your world
Jesus. Jesus. Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. We need a fresh wind. Daddy, hear the cry of your people's heart. We need a fresh wind. We need a fresh wind of your Holy Spirit, a fresh wind of revival, a fresh wind of change, Lord God. We need a fresh wind of your power, of your authority. We need a fresh wind, an overflowing, Lord God. Fill us top of our head to the bottom of our feet with the beautiful nature of your Spirit, Lord. You said that you will send down the Holy Spirit. You said that in the latter rain, you will pour out your rain on all flesh, men and women, young and old, will receive, will move the power of your holiness, Lord God. All we desire is all that you are. All that we desire is to see your kingdom come. Your will be done in our lives in real holiness, in real life, in real ways so that we can serve a real God in this real broken world. Daddy, we need you. We can't do it. We repent of our own self-focus, our own self-reliance. We repent from our broken traditions, our dysfunction, our shame, our guilt, our lack. In the name of Jesus, we stand before you and praise you for sins that have been forgiven, for life that has been restored, not only in heaven, but here on earth as well, because I know that I will see the goodness of my God in the land of the living, because you are a living God in this living world. Father, we need you. Holy Spirit, we need you. We need you. Hate is too strong. Injustice still remains. Hurt, brokenness, mourning, sorrow. So still evident in our world. Sickness has so many names. The enemy has so many schemes, but we are not a defeated foe because we stand on the bloodline of the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. You said by your stripes, this world will be healed. We believe it. We stand in it. We rejoice in it. We want to be used by you to be ministers of it in our neighborhood, in our Jerusalem, in our Judea, in our Samaria, in our end of the world. We want, we are here, we are willing you're open. Holy Spirit, pour it out. Pour it out. Come on, church, man, this is your time. Don't let me just be the one asking for it. Just ask for it. Just say, God, pour it out on me. God, I want to be that person. I want want to be that young. I want to be that old. I want to be that male. I want to be that female. I want to be that all that is included that you said back then. Lord God, I believe you did it before. You'll do it again. Just say, God, I desire you. Don't worry about who's in front of you, behind you, next to you. Whether your husband has received it or your wife doesn't understand. Father, in the name of Jesus, just cry out to him. He's worthy. Holy Spirit, come. Come. Fresh wind. Church, we're going to end today just by singing what Margo's singing right now. With everything. With everything. With everything we've got. With everything we are. I love 
what the queen said. Whether my life is short or my wife is long, I'm going to serve. I'm going to serve the kingdom. I'm going to serve the family he put me in. I'm going to live a life that's worthy to be remembered. I'm going to live for the glory of the kingdom. Today is the day. Come on, with everything, with everything, with everything, with everything. Stand to your feet with everything. Cry out to him with everything. power cause us to walk in that authority you are not the tail you are not the tail you are the head you are not a victim you may have been victimized but you are more than a conqueror in Jesus you are not the one that has been conquered you are the conqueror in the name of Jesus Christ there's a community, there's a Jerusalem that you live with that needs you to step into this. There's a Judea 
a marketplace that needs you to stand into, stand into it. Who else will if not us? We've been positioned in our Judea on purpose. There's a Samaria, places you're uncomfortable going. There are people that are uncomfortable in your life that God placed you around you. Bring it. And everywhere my feet step, it is holy ground. The devil is a liar. Your kids are not his. That generational curse cannot stay. That addiction is not lifelong. That abuse does not label you or identify you. He is a liar. The only one that has the power to label me is the one who died for me. And he calls me his son. He calls you his daughter. He calls us an heir, a co-heir, because we are in the bloodline of a king. I don't care what the world says. I care what my king says about this world. How different would our lives be if we didn't just believe it? We actually tomorrow stepped into it. Thank you for letting me preach this word with you today. Thank you for letting me share it. Thank you for letting me wear my England shoes, even though some of you like, we kicked them out 200 years ago, you bringing them back. There's power, power, wonder-working power in the blood of Jesus Christ. Look, on your way out, I'm going to ask you to continue to worship God by the giving of your offerings. You know, there's offering envelopes there. You can give online. There's going to be a QR code up on the screens. There's QR codes at every station. You can drop it in that, those gold kiosks there. We're not, we don't pass buckets. Because we want you to be able to take something in your hand in faith. And say, God, I'm making this my, I'm, this, is, this is praise back to you. This may be a little oil. Come on, somebody. Some, how many of us know sometimes it feels like a little oil in here? But when we activate the oil and believe the prophetic word of God, things change. The little multiplies. In the name of the Lord God Almighty, the King of kings and Lord of lords, in the name of Jesus Christ who rose from the dead on the third day, ascended into heaven and is seated at the God seated at the right hand of God the Father Almighty I pray that the men and women in this place today those listening online those those listening later in podcast I'm praying right now that the eyes of our hearts may be opened that we may know the incredible amazing riches of his inheritance that we have because we are children of his I pray that fears may be silenced faith may rise the flame of passion for Jesus may be stirred inside of us that we may know the incredibly amazing greatness of his power that he placed inside of us who believe and that as from this day forward we will choose to rise up every day and walk in that power for his glory that his kingdom, Daddy, that your kingdom will come and your will will be done. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. God bless you, church. Go from this place and walk in the authority and power of the king because you live in his bloodline. Amen.
Amen. God bless you guys. We'll see you next week. Hallelujah.